Welcome to Crown Baha podcast for Thursday, February 23rd. Um, I know that my podcast here is written in Gaelic, so just so you know, it's spelled and said and pronounced. So I'll say it again, Crown Baha, and that's the name of it, all right? Uh, it's I'll spell it on, on the webpage. Uh, C-R-A-N-N-B-E-T-H-A-D-H is how you do a search for it. I'm also setting this up to go to Apple iTunes. So if for, if for any reason you feel like you would want to do this on your mobile device, um, you, can now, you can now download this and listen to it on your iPhones uh, and take it wherever you want to go. So with that... Um, I'm also going to do my little advertising here and get it out of the way uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes today. So I do offer subscriptions on the Substack webpage. Um, I also, I don't publish this podcast anywhere else other than Substack and Apple. Um, So, you know, subscriptions are limited to that. Uh, I do have articles that are, uh, you know, membership-only type stuff on Medium, but, you know, that's a whole different animal. But I do have a free website, though. That's where I have my own company website, um, and it's at https colon forward slash forward slash 527 dot website x5.me, and the name of the website is Krombeha. Um, spelled the same way as the podcast, uh, easily searchable. Um, you can find it, uh, you know, pretty much. And I do have links to it in the, in the publications. Now, and then the last but not least, I'm trying really hard to promote my books. So the big thing about books is I have, as I've mentioned before, one that I published on Amazon. It's like 70 pages it's a little military story. It be honest with you, it belongs with a bunch of other little stories to make up a full book. And maybe someday I'll write more stories and I'll add that to it. Um, and I'll put an anthology together of a bunch of, you know, soldier stories for somebody to read, you know. But either way, um, until I get to that point down the road, it is available on Amazon. Called, it's called The Milk Run by Terrence McCarland O'Donnell. Uh, and you can find it easily enough uh, with a little bit of search, uh, which most folks are usually familiar with now. Um, so with all of that out of the way, let's get into today's stuff, all right? So the big thing is I, I pulled up a bunch of articles like I do every week, and these are related to everything that's sort of kind of going around the world. The big thing about it here is I've got some American stuff, I've got English stuff, I've got Irish stuff. Uh, most of it is from the United States, though, here this week. I do have a couple of articles from the UK. Um, the, big th- the big thing I'm going to start out with is water shortages. Okay. Now, I've mentioned this, a lot of people have mentioned this, how badly the, the southwestern part of the United States and western states over there are running out of water and they're, now they're starting to get into fights over who's going to get what. Um, you know, another little article, uh, kind of obscure article, uh, 
from Arizona. It's from CBC Canada. Actually, wrote this one, and it talks about this little town out there uh, north of. I don't want to say Phoenix, um, but it's it's up in the up in the hill country, and the big thing about that is that Arizona, of course, and California are in a big fight over water rights. But this, these little towns, and, and the thing is, they're little towns only because developers went out there and built these things so people could go out there and retire to them. And they get all these subdivisions they're building, and they're still building them uh, with no water. I mean, you know, it's one of those, the, these places are having to have water trucked into them now because the reservoirs are empty. The wells are empty. There is no water. Yet these developers are still convincing people to go all the way out there and buy a new house in a, in a nice fancy subdivision. And they're not telling people, oh, well, well, by the way, you buy this house, you're not going to have any water. They're not saying anything. Of course not. They're just laughing all the way to the bank. Um, they get paid. The person takes out a mortgage. So now the issue is between them and the bank. The developer's already got his money and he's laughing all the way out to the next develop, development he wants to build and then play sucker with the rest of the folks. I mean, to me, it's just stupid that people don't do research before they go out there and want to do this. Um, There's going to be a time probably within the next 10 years or so where Arizona will be largely uninhabitable. Cities will be so hot that you can't live in them. You can't get enough air conditioning out there to make these people go, and there's not going to be any water anyway. So between the extreme heat Lack of air conditioning to handle it, uh, you know, you know, economically anyway, and now no water. The place is going to become even more of a desert. Come on, well, who would want to live there? Now over to the other side of the pond. There's an article in here in the Guardian called "England Needs New Reservoirs or Food Supplies Will Be at Risk," warns NFU chief. And this article was published because England is running out of water. It seems that they haven't developed any new water sources in a few decades. And, and, and now, because of the climate change, they're running out of water. And they're all getting, up, you know, getting all upset about it because they figured out that, well, they don't have enough to cover all the farms. Well, without farms, you don't have food. So that means, you know, no water, no food. And England is massively overwhelmed with immigrants who are all demanding free food and water, um, jobs to get stuff when as there's none of that available. So England is in a pickle right now. And the thing about it is not just England. A lot of other countries, Italy's having problems. I was reading something in the news. Italy's having problems with drought. Um, they're having uh, drought problems, something they haven't had to deal with since, what, 1948, I think it was. Um, but the big thing about it is they're having struggles. They've had a lot of immigrants, and they've been trying to shut the doors on them. And the other problem with that is with no water, no food. Well, so here you go. Spain's gonna, Spain had problems last year. They're probably going to have problems again this year. So now you got England, France, Italy, Greece, all these countries that are on the northern you know, latitudes, uh, about just above the equator, and they're running out of water. Well, run out of water, run out of food. It all runs the same. And then you got all these people from sub-Saharan Africa who are running north 
because it's too hot to live down there. Between the militias killing them all and lack of food and water down there, they're headed north thinking that Europe's going to take care of them. Well, Europe is running out of stuff. when There's nobody left to take care of them. So now what? It's going to be interesting to kind of watch all this unfolding over here the next few years. So, change gears. Another little article in here. So, I don't know how many people are aware. This is another article from the UK. This time it's from Northern Ireland. So let me give you a little bit of background in case folks aren't paying a, a lot of attention to what's going on over there. So for the last year, the defense ultra, what is it, uh, the, the Democratic Unionist Party over there has been telling Northern Ireland that we don't want to be part of the government until you, you know, you do something. So it goes back to even before that. What happened, Boris Johnson, basically when he was negotiating Brexit, he basically threw Northern Ireland under the bus to the EU. And he said, you know, you belong to Ireland. You're going to have to deal with this. And they established the Northern Ireland Protocol, which basically meant that they could trade all they want to with the Republic, and they could trade all they want to with the EU. They're on the EU trade list. But they would have to pay tariffs if they wanted to trade with England. Well, the DUP lost it. I mean, they just went flat out, storming all over the place, doing all kinds of lawsuits and getting in Boris's face and the parliament and everything else saying, no, we won't accept that. We're, we're part of the UK. You need to take care of us, and yada, yada, yada. Well, it was a big deal, and Boris basically left without doing anything about it. Liz Truss, she gotten so much hot water in just a few minutes of her time, and she didn't get time to do anything about it. So now the new guy, Rushi Sunak, is, is battling this, running, running up to Belfast, running over to the EU, running back to London, and back, you know, back and forth, back and forth, because the DUP says, until you get this thing straightened out so that we can trade with the UK without any restrictions. In other words, they want to go back to the way it was before Brexit. And they're saying that they will not go back into Stormont without it. So they're basically holding London's feet to the fire, saying, you either do something about it, or we're going to take you to the world court. And that's what they threatened to do a couple of years ago, because they said that, as, you know, signing an agreement, you know, Northern Ireland signed an agreement to be part of the UK, and as part of that agreement, then there's all this trade stuff. Well, you know, like I said, Boris said, sorry, um, and the UP is saying, well, we don't care what Sinn Féin says, we want what we want, and we're going to get it, or we're going to raise all kinds of discontent and go to court and all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, the Americans are trying to push and get them to come in and and behave, but they don't care what the Americans care about. They they don't they don't care what the Americans want. They don't care what anybody else wants. They want to be British citizens. Period. They don't want to be a hybrid. They don't want to be anything else. They want to be British citizens. Well, the problem with that is that you've got a large portion of other citizens in Northern Ireland who are not part of the DUP or the UP or any of those other unionist groups, and they have no problem at all being part of the EU. 
But these holdouts in the unionist groups are saying, no, sorry, we're not going to do anything. And and until you get it straightened out, we're, we're going to hold out. We're not going to do anything. So it's going to get interesting over there to see how this all works out. Um, now, that goes back into this other little problem. There's, there's an article that I pulled up because everybody in the world knows about the Irish Troubles from a few decades ago. Okay, 30 years of, uh, you know, sector violence amongst the Catholics and the, and the, and the Protestants um, and groups, the IRA being the biggest one of them. Um, the, you know, the DUP militias were involved and basically, you know, they had a guerrilla warfare going on for nearly 30 years. But the big thing was they signed an agreement called the Good Friday Agreement that, you know, everybody put their weapons away, agreed not to fight anymore. And they established this, um, you know, governing agreement in Stormont saying that, the, you know, the unionists and uh, and the Catholics could work something out and govern together, yada, yada, yada. All right. So the big thing about that was that everybody laid their down. So please, well, there's a couple of little splinter groups still floating around. Um, and they basically were offshoots of the original IRA. They never wanted to lay down their arms. As far as they're concerned, the English were needed to be booted out. The unionists need to go away, so on and so forth, and they aren't going to rest until they get what they want. Well, a new story here. Here, A couple of days ago, an off-duty unionist policeman from Northern Ireland got shot while attending a, a football match, um, and his son was standing right next to him when these two guys in masks and, and, and guns jumped out of a car Killed him right there in the parking lot, shot up a bunch of other cars, and then took off. Well, you know, that's a repeat of back in the old, the bad old days when the IRA used to do all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, and not that, you know, the DUP was, you know, doing the same thing. So the worry is, is, is you know, with all of this tension going on between the unionists and, and the UK, is the violence going to come back? And everybody's kind of getting pretty scared right now because nobody wants to go back to those old days. Um, so, again, there may be more stories coming out about this. You never know. Um, that's, that could be a trouble. So the name of the story is the Northern Irish Police Suspect New IRA, which is one of the splinter groups, behind the detective shooting. It's in uh, Al Jazeera. It's where I got this article. But it's been published in the Irish Times um, I'm sure that the new, you know, the English newspapers caught it too, um, you know. And I already talked about here about Brexit. So here's another article. It's coming out of Northern Ireland, um, and I've touched on it a little bit already. Is a senior DUP leader of the name of Wilson, who's saying that the breakup of the UK is at stake if the Northern Ireland Protocol deal isn't reached. And basically, what he's trying to say is that. Um, if they don't get what they want out of London, as far as this deal goes, they're basically going to break off and become their own little thing. So that would be real interesting to figure out that now Ireland would have two separate countries on the same island. Well, before, you know, right now, Northern Ireland is a Commonwealth country. In other words, 
They're their own separate entity, but they belong to the Commonwealth of the UK. So that means that, you know, whatever London says, they kind of toe the line. Well, they're saying that, well, if you don't give us what we want, we're not going to be part of your little, you know, we're not going to be part of your little group anymore. Well, that would keep them in the EU, most likely. Um, but what's that? what would that do to England? So Scotland, you know, has already been kind of playing the ball here. They had a referendum a few years ago and decided not to go forward with it. Um, they're worried, you know, they were worried about another one. Well, you know, when uh, Nicola Sturgeon resigned here last week, they thought, well, no more, no more Scotland independence with her gone. Um, there's, they're, they're busy trying to elect somebody to replace her. So obviously any kind of independent referendum from Scotland is going to be on a table, you know, waiting for a long while while they get their ducks in a row. But the big thing about it is it's showing that the UK, United Kingdom, is not so united anymore. They're starting to show a bunch of cracks around the edges. I mean, you know, the Republic of Ireland's already been thumbing their nose at them for years. Um, Northern Ireland right now is starting to do the same thing to a degree. Um, they want to be part of the United Kingdom, but only on their terms. And if, if you know, number 10 doesn't come up and toe the line and give them what they want, well, they, all, they might just say, forget you, we're going our own way. You know, um, then that could get real interesting because, to be honest with you, that's what the Sinn Féin party wants. They want a united Ireland. So would the DUP go along with that? Not likely. And that's where the problem would be. Um, you, the DUP doesn't want anything to do with the Republic. They want, it, they want their own little thing. Kind of reminds you of certain Americans. Um, you know, so like I said, all of that's going to be real interesting to watch. So that's what I have in the news overseas. I mean, obviously, there's all the other stuff going on in the Middle East. But it's the same old story over there all the time. Palestinians are getting chewed up by the Israelis again. The Iranians are over there denying enriching uranium. Although there was a news article over there saying that, uh, you know, they got caught with about 84% pure. Well, you know, I mean, that's pretty close to a nuclear bomb right there. I mean, but they're denying it, though. They're saying, no, 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 we're not doing that. Yeah, right. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, you know, and all the news about Turkey, the the big earthquake in, on the Turkey-Syrian border, that's all still a big thing in the news. They're still finding people, although, you know, today's news, they're finding animals. They're not finding people anymore. Um, and last, earlier this week, they said that, uh, you know, they were giving up on looking for live people anymore, although they were still finding one or two here and there, you know, amazingly enough. Um Surprised that people haven't starved to death by now, but either way, they they're pretty much done finding you know people still alive. But they'll be digging bodies out of that rubble for a long time to come, uh, you know. But either way, you know that's all this stuff going on. You know the Taliban are in trouble again. Um, you know all these other all these things that we've been hearing about for a long time. Nothing new, uh, really. And that's just kind of why I don't put a lot of emphasis on that stuff because. We all know that that stuff's been going on for years. It'll continue continue going on for years, um, and and it, and so it goes. Um, you know, I I try to pick out stuff that are somewhat relevant to a, somewhat important things. Obviously, this whole business with Brexit in the UK, uh, England is failing miserably at everything. 
um, causing a whole lot of ripples in the in the in the, all of the Commonwealth countries attached to the UK. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Um, you know, and of course everybody running out of water. Um, so here, I'm going to change gears. This is American news, okay? So I picked out about four or five American news stories that are small in nature. Uh, you don't normally would see them on the main news feeds on your television here. You know, you watch C- CBS, ABC, NBC, or, or Fox News. You're not likely to see these articles on the TV, which is one of the reasons why I picked them out. Because they actually have a lot to do with some of the stuff you see on a TV. Okay? So, here's one that got my attention. Uh, I found it in a couple of different pairs. This one here is in BBC uh, World U.S. Canada News. And it actually made American news, obviously. Um, It's about an Alaskan lawmaker. Now, this is a state legislator. He got censured again. For, some, for making comments that were very, very inappropriate, right? This time, he was doing some sort of hearing, and there was a social services person there, and the, the subject came up about uh, child abuse and, you know, fatal child abuse. So his comment was, well, he'd be... These dead children were are doing the government a favor when when they die because now we don't have to pay for them and we don't have to pay for them uh, to go to jail when they get older and all, all this kind of stuff. Well, obviously this you know this comment made a lot of outrage everywhere. I mean you know how could you equate dead children to tax dollars? I mean yeah you you know you're paying for all of their mental health and welfare and whatever else uh, because they got abused well you know it's not their fault they got abused um you know rarely anyway so the big thing about that is that so a child dies usually from domestic violence as a rule um or here lately and i'm going to get to this in a little bit a lot more children are dying in child you know during child labor which is illegal in the united states but the big thing is this guy is saying, well, you saved, you know, all these dead children are saving, saving taxpayers a bunch of money. What are we crying about? Well, obviously that's a big deal. Um, you know, whether he's going to get reelected for all this stuff is a good question. But, you know, that's Alaska. Um, that has nothing to do too much with the national. Only the fact that he's a Republican. And as in a Republican, he's obviously one of these... Um, MAGA kind of guys, most likely. I don't know that much about him. Um, But he feels like that he can get away with saying stuff like this. And this goes to a lot of other Republicans, the what I call the crazy people in the GOP, who are getting away with saying just outlandish things. Okay? I mean, really outlandish. Okay? And this is just one example. But it goes to the bigger picture. So then you have people like Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene, from northeast Georgia, and that's where her district is. So let me tell you what I know about this person. I don't know her personally, only what I see in the news, much like the rest of us. But her biggest thing is she makes such outlandish remarks in the news, and most of them have to do with uh, Christian nationalism and, um, you know, 
max you know, mask protocols and vaccines and all this other kind of stuff. And she's always doing her best to get herself, you know, front point, front page center in the news somehow, some way. So the big thing about it here, lady, her latest statement is that she is advocating for a national divorce from the United States. So basically what that means is she wants all the red states to secede from the union and form their own country. That way they can outlaw LGBTQ, they can outlaw immigrants, they can outlaw dark-skinned people living there if they want to, they can outlaw vaccines, masks, AIDS, all. They can basically do whatever they want to do, which is, you know, uh, a, a thing. So majority of the red states are in the southeast up through the middle. So you're talking about everything west of Virginia, Virginia being kind of a purple state, West Virginia being a red state, Ohio and the mid, middle, Tennessee, Kentucky, they're all red states. Um, and Indiana is kind of a sort of kind of maybe purple, but you know, still you get the idea. Middle, the middle breadbasket of the United States is red, uh, Missouri being deep red, Texas and all that. And then the further west you go, it kind of goes purple to uh, purple to blue on the west coast. So basically, blue states bracket the country on both coasts and up in the northeast, and you know, then in the northwest too, for that matter. Um, but then everything in the middle is kind of red. So what would happen to all these middle states that want to go their own way? So Mitt Romney made a comment in the news about this about. Abraham Lincoln kind of putting that in the bag back in the mid-1800s. You know, that's what we had a civil war about, was not allowing states to secede from the Union just because they didn't they disagreed with the federal government. Uh, so we're heading down that road again. She's advocating secession by saying we want a national divorce from the blue states. Well, I mean, it's the same thing, just different words. That's I mean, that's, that's some, you know, some very um, fire, you know, that'll, that'll get people pretty fired up. Um, and there's a lot of economic things to go against that, too. You know, I've read a lot of articles lately about this. I, I wrote about this secession business last year um, on some articles on Medium um, and what would happen and what's go, what is going on, what's going on with certain states who are kind of leaning in this direction. Uh, a lot of it is they don't like the way the public school systems are being run. They don't like the way certain government stuff from Washington's being run. They don't like this. They don't like that. They basically don't like anything. And, you know, there's another article about why, you know, Christian nationalism, that there's 21%. They did a survey. 21% of Republicans want to be. Uh, Christian. They want to be part of a Christian nationalist state. All right. So, thirty-three percent support that they these twenty-one percent Republicans want to be Christian. Now, twenty-one percent may not seem like a lot of people, but that's that's you know that's that's significant. You know, million kind of people. I don't know how many millions that is, but it's a lot. So the big thing about it is that. If you've got 30, you know, that's a third of the country right now with the hardcore 21%, but a third of the country 
would probably lean in on it. Um, and, you know, so think about it. How many people we got here in the United States? And 33% of them want a Christian nationalist theocratic government? I mean, that's pretty bad. That is pretty bad. And to be honest with you, that's really scary. I mean, I personally, not being a Christian, have no desire whatsoever to be involved with somebody telling me that if you're going to live here, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be part of this national religion. Because that's what they want to do. They want to nationalize Christianity in their image. You know, agreed here that there's so many multiple versions of Protestant Christianity in this country there would be a lot of fighting going on internally with them guys trying to figure out which of these versions of Protestant um, Christianity would be the national religion. Would it be the Baptists? Would it be the Methodists? Uh, you know, Episcopalians, Lutherans. I mean, you name it. There's a large bunch of them. So who's going to get top dog? Well, you know, that'd be an interesting fight. I mean, I hope I never had to see that, truthfully. I really don't because you got to figure it out. How many millions of Muslim people live in the United States? You know, how many Catholics live in the United States? Now, Catholics are, you know, they are Christian religion, but the Protestants kind of look down on the Catholics, you know, here, especially here in the United States. So that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, but the other part of that is that everybody else, though, is kind of marginalized. I mean, if you're a Wiccan, well, you know, you're going to have to be careful about how you practice religion. Um, you know, marching down the streets, waving a flag is definitely not a good thing in a lot of places here in the United States if you're not a Christian. So that could be a big deal. Um, like I said, I hope it never comes to that. I really hope it never comes to that. But the fact that you have, you know, federal legislators who would advocate for that, that's pretty scary. Hopefully not. Hopefully it'll just remain a fringe at this point. Um but it goes back to the other part of that is that the GOP really is pushing for, you know, I mentioned this last week a little bit. They're pushing for, you know, less restrictions on child labor simply because, you know, employers are losing money because they don't have enough people to fill the slots they have open on their companies. The biggest part of those slots are in meatpacking plants. Farming is a big one. Uh, agricultural, they basically the agricultural industry. Um, they are very shorthanded because nobody wants to go to work for them. It's low pay, it's grinding, abusive work, um, and you know labor intensive and all that kind of stuff. The living conditions are usually pretty terrible. Working conditions are already terrible. You know the fact that it was a meat plant, meat packing plant got busted not about a week or two ago for hiring. Uh, the, their cleaning crew coming in in the middle of the night was made up of, you know, young kids, 14, 10, 12, 14-year-old kids, uh, you know, working uh, 40 hours or whatever, doing cleaning in, in a meatpacking plant, which is dangerous enough for adults. Then you got kids in here don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, I got an article here. It's called Death on a Dairy Farm. It's from ProPublica.org. And they are noted for publishing articles um, about abuse and all kinds of stuff like that, um, political abuse and all kinds of stuff. Um, this is another article of theirs. Um, 
it's a it's about a Wisconsin dairy farm, and basically what happened was a, a tw- he how old was he he was twelve he was twelve years old and he was the son of a Nicaraguan illegal immigrant. So what's going on up there in Wisconsin and a lot of other farms around the country is they're so short-handed for farmhands that they'll hire anybody. And, you know, these immig- illegal immigrants are, are finding out about this before they even come to the United States. So they're down in Nicaragua and Venezuela and all these other places, and they're hearing about farms up in, in North America that will hire anybody. All you need is show them a paper. It can be fake paper. They don't care. Just show them any kind of paper. And they'll put you to work. So, you know, these guys are desperate to get out of their really bad situations down there. So they're coming north, sneaking across the border. In this case, uh, you know, this uh, man by the name of Rodriguez, uh, he came across with, and he had to, he had no choice but to bring his 12-year-old son with him. You know, and he knew it was a bad idea, but he didn't have any choice. So they made it to Wisconsin, got hired on with this not-so-great farm who had multiple safety violations. So this is a dairy farm. With, in other words, they got lots of cows to be milked. And they had had a bunch of, according to the news article, they had a bunch of sanitation, um, you know, citations. Um, they were on the very low list of, you know, having poor grade milk and all this kind of stuff. And it turns out that their farm equipment didn't meet basic safety protocols, stuff that's mandated by OSHA, but nobody ever goes and checks on them. So, turns out one night a couple of years ago, this 12-year-old boy was out in the yard after dark when he shouldn't have been. His dad was working, not paying a lot of attention to him, and this other man accidentally ran him over with a tractor and killed him. Well, as, as tragic as that is, the worst tragedy is that none of the farm people there could speak English. And nobody up there in Wisconsin could speak Spanish. Well, they had one cop. She's uh, Caucasian, according to the picture they showed. And she had taken Spanish lessons in school. So they thought that she was fluent in Spanish. Lot. Okay. They disabused that really quickly when she went up there to interview uh, the farmhands. And, uh, you know, mistranslated a bunch of what was said. Didn't interview the guy that actually did the running over um, and all kinds of stuff. So it went completely crazy. Um, you know, the the death was ruled a tragic accident, but everybody everybody was kind of pointing fingers at the father. And it turns out he wasn't anywhere near the tractor at the time. Uh, and so he's suing now because he wants to clear his name. He doesn't want to be blamed for his son's death. You know, he understands what happened. He knows it's an accident. But at the same time, he doesn't want to be blamed for it. And to be honest with you, I can understand that. You know, I wouldn't want to go in history of, you know, everybody thinking you killed your son like that. Um, you know, everything's tragic enough as it is. Um, but here's the thing. That's, that's, a, that's a story in itself, okay, tragic as it is. But it goes to the broader thing. As I mentioned before, we have immigrants who have no choice but to bring their children with them across the border. They're illegals. They're coming across the Rio Grande, coming across the desert, so on and so forth. They actually make it across without the Border Patrol catching them. Well, in this case, Mr. Rodriguez, he made it across, and then they, rat, and then they detained him for a couple of days, 
told him he's going to have a court date for asylum and then let him go, which is what a lot of them do. They get let go, and as long as they got a place to go, um, they they're allowed to go their way. As long as they make as long as they make their court date, nobody really cares. So the big thing is you have all of these people who are desperate for work, and they will do anything for nearly anybody. They're easily trainable. Of course, you know, farm work isn't really that scientific as far as it goes. I mean, shoveling cow manure and uh, corralling cows, and the hardest part was learn how to run this bobcat machine, which apparently most of these farms have one for cleaning up manure and stuff. Uh, learning how to run one of those is probably the hardest part about the job. You know, as far as brain goes, um, physically it's extremely hard. But you know, mentally, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a you know low low thinking job. Same thing with uh, you know the farms out in, in you know on the west coast where you got to go out in the fields and work in the sun all day, hoeing between the rows, picking vegetables, and all the other things that they do out there. I mean, these people don't get paid much. They're out in the hot sun. You know, they get they get provided water and and food and that kind of stuff, but the conditions aren't great. And I say that only because I used to live in Tennessee and I used to do service work there and I used to drive around some of the backcountry areas and a lot of them farmers over there would hire, you know, immigrant workers, seasonal ones. And these people lived in horrific conditions all summer long. Okay, now, you know, Tennessee is a pretty hot, con- you know, pretty hot state in the summertime, very humid and I'm telling you, I would drive by these trailer parks that were worse than you can even imagine. And these people are living in horrific conditions. Um, and I felt bad for them, you know. But I realized that they probably didn't have a lot of choice because that's the only way they could make money. Um, and then nothing's changed. I mean, and that was, you know, that's, you know, 20, 20, 30 years ago when I was doing that. And I see when I'm reading these articles that nothing's changed in all these years. They're, you know, farmers are basically treating these people like slaves, um, doing everything they can to make a profit, sometimes not. Corporate farming, on their hand, they don't really care. You're just basically next step above slave labor. Um, and they're exploiting all of that. And they're exploiting all these immigrants who don't know any better, uh, and especially the illegal ones. And, you know, it's, it's a really tra- tragic thing going on in the United States right now. Um, you know, I've written articles about modern-day slavery, uh, and this, this goes to that. Um, now, there's another article on climate change, so I'm going to kind of get off of um, human rights abuses here at this point um, and just talk about a little more about climate change. So there's an article in here in The Guardian um, talks about the American climate migration has already begun. Well, I wrote about this extensively last year, about how Americans, it doesn't really matter, you know, what demographic you're part of, but they're moving like crazy across the country. Housing shortages out all over the place here in this country, and it's a really, really bad thing. Um, it got really bad here, you know, last year uh, with inflation. Housing prices went up to the roof. They raised the, they raised the interest rates, and all of a sudden the housing market went down in the basement. And it's still there. Uh, but the other part of that equation, though, is that there is still a severe housing shortage here in the United States. Unless you want to move to Arizona, okay? Um, you can buy a house in California, but you better have a bucket full of cash. 
Houses out there are still way more expensive than probably anywhere else in the country. Uh, well, nearly so. Um, and, you know, taxes are high and all that kind of good stuff. But the big thing is a lot, a lot, a lot of people are leaving California because of all the climate stuff. The forest fires and everything over there, uh, brush fires burning everybody out, burning their houses. The recent floods through the winter here wiped out a lot of people. Um, you know, the southern part of the state is, in, in a, you know, the middle and southern are in a drought. Uh, people don't have any water, so they're leaving because they don't have any water. So there's a mass exodus of people that are going out of California. A goodly portion of them are going to Arizona, um, New Mexico, not so much, but Arizona and Texas. Um, some of the other states as well. I read something here a couple of weeks ago. Nevada is having a big problem with Californians going over there and, and flooding the area, and there's no housing for them. But upshot it is, all of these states that are east of California are seeing a huge influx of climate migrations going on. Um, Arizona's having some, but it's going to get worse for them as the climate temperatures increase. And pretty soon, the whole southwest part of the United States is going to get worse. So this article talks about 3 million people in the U.S. have relocated or been forced out over climate disasters. And this is only the beginning. Um, big thing we're going to have over there is we've had, you know, lots of houses get wiped out, businesses, so on and so forth. Pretty soon, we're going to have food shortages. And I mentioned this earlier in the broadcast. Food and water shortages plus bad weather wiping people's houses out. More millions of people that are on the West Coast are going to be leaving and they're going to be wanting a place to go. Well, problem is where are they going to go? I mean, the other states don't have the capacity to take care of them. The federal government's not doing anything to step in and help them right now. They're busy with other things, you know, kind of like that. They're more concentrated on East Palatine, Ohio right now. Um, and not really focused on what's going on on the West Coast too much. They're aware of it, but they're saying, yeah, we'll just send some guys out there to take care of the water problem, and then it'll all be good. Well, yeah, not so much. <laughs> okay? I'm, you're not going to fix it with a Band-Aid. Um, so the question is, what's going to happen in, in the next 10 years or so? All these millions of people, I mean, 3 million have left now. There's more millions out there that are going to need to go. The weather is not going to get any better. It's just going to continue to get dry and hot. And pretty soon everything's going to run out and they're all going to want to come east. Well, what are you going to do with them? That's going to be fun. I'm, I mean, I'm glad I'm on an extreme east coast. Maybe I won't see a lot of that. But trouble is you can't depend on that. You never know. I mean, I even where I live, I see some west coast license plates around here every once in a while kind of makes me thinking that maybe those folks are kind of trickling over this way some um here's another article that goes back to red state stupidity okay so new orleans being where it's at it's in louisiana louisiana is dead center of a red state okay the red state area and there are a lot of people there of the white skin persuasion who just are all about this MAGA stuff and um, Republicans and, you know, being able to do what they want to do. They want to have their AR-15s and their guns and they're all about raising the Confederate flag up and saying, don't tread on me and all that kind of stupid stuff. So the big thing is TSA has been noticing a big uptick from airports or over in that area, in the red state areas. People want to carry their guns on the airplanes and their ammunition. 
Now, granted, their guns are usually not loaded, but you have a bag, and it's got an unloaded rifle in it, and a buttload of ammunition in the same bag. Now, come on now, okay? You know, we haven't been able to do that since 9-11. And here we are 20-some-odd years later, and you still don't know that? Come on. What rock are you living under? Um, and so they arrested the guy, obviously. But the article goes on to talk about just how much of an uptick this has been happening here lately uh, with people just basically saying, I don't like the government. And I don't want to let the government tell me what to do. And I'm going to do whatever I want to, including carrying guns on planes. So, you know, come on, people. Are you really that ignorant? Ah. But the other part of that, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on to some more issues with the divisions here in the country. There's a couple of several articles out here lately. I mentioned something last week about the teacher shortages, and it's still prevalent, you know, prevalent here, um, but it's not in all states. A large majority of these shortages are in the red states. Um, but the other part of that is that because of all of the restrictive curriculum that is now being taught in these red state schools, no CRT, no gay stuff, you know, like Florida, don't say gay. All right. Um, they're wiping out libraries from any kind of uh, LBGTQ books of any kind, stripping the libraries out, all kinds of stuff. And he's, he's you know, clamping down even more. Of course, a couple of weeks ago, he was all about, you know, the AP African Studies thing um, and all that kind of stuff. Some of the states are looking at that thinking, well, hey, you know what? If he's doing that, maybe we ought to do that. Um, what's going on, though, is this taking black families in the country, African-Americans, and they're basically coming up and say, well, all right, we have better choices now for our children. Homeschooling is a really big thing, and it's, it's becoming a really bigger thing in the United States since, since the pandemic. I mean, before, the, before 2020, homeschooling was a thing, but there was a very small percentage of parents who could afford to stay home and take care of their kids or maybe working from home and all that kind of stuff and could also monitor children's online ed education. Well, 2020 kind of brought that all out of the woods and more and more kids were staying at home, obviously, and homeschooling was a thing. So the big thing is all these companies that are providing the curriculum for that, they started stepping up, providing, providing more curriculum. So there's a, there's a more diverse availability of school curriculum for all students, all the way from you know elementary, all the way up through high school. So a lot of black families are now deciding that, hey, you know what? You're going to restrict what my child learns in school, especially you're going to be seriously biased about American history, American history, then we're going to keep our kids home and we're going to teach them the real truth of what United States history is all about. We're going to teach them the real truth of black culture here in the United States and all this kind of stuff. You know what? I think it's a good idea. I seriously think that that's what should come down to. You've got states like Arkansas with the new governor there, Sarah Huckabee, who has basically made a new deal on her state for education, um, saying that, you know, people can ha ed educate their children any way they want to. They can send them to any school they want to, and they'll provide vouchers, they'll provide this, they'll, so on and so forth. 
Well, you know, you got to have that kind of stuff going on. What about the public schools in the United States? I mean, we all know that a large majority of them are run down. There's teacher shortages in, in half of them, probably. Um, you know, facilities are run down. The curriculum is mandated by the school boards these days, more and more so in the last few years. And so it's becoming a real problem. So if you're a liberal parent and you find out that your child is attending a very conservative school district and they're not letting him read books that, you know, would I might actually teach him something uh, and all that kind of stuff, um, they're opting to send kids to private school. Well, you know, private school is not cheap and never has been, okay? And so the private schools are making a killing off of it now, and they're all about that. As long as the state supports them, they're okay with that. Uh, charter schools, you know, that was a thing for a while. They're still out there. Um, they're just not as much in the news as they used to be. Uh, maybe that's a fad that's kind of fell away here. But the idea, though, is that it's not just African-American parents. You've got a lot of Caucasian parents in conservative areas who don't like what they're being, the kids are being taught in school, so they're deciding to homeschool. But they're doing it in a kind of the other direction. They're restricting severely what they want their kids to learn because they say that there's a liberal agenda, CRT, and all this other stuff being taught, and they don't want their kids to know anything about that. So this home, this whole homeschooling thing is going to become even more of a thing in the United States here in the next few years because more and more parents are going to say, well, we don't like what's going on in public schools. We're taking our children out. Well, what happens with that is like happened in Washington State here, you know, a week ago, there was an article about schools having to close down some of the schools, uh, school, you know, school systems having to close down some of the schools because they didn't have enough students to attend. They had to consolidate them and move them all into, you know, a, a big, a, a, you know, a school that would handle them uh, and shut down the other ones. Well, that's going to be a thing across the country here shortly. There's going to be more and more school districts across the country. They're going to find out that they don't have enough schools anymore to, you know, attend school away from home. Oh, there's a whole lot of children that are going to be getting homeschooled. And it's going to be a thing more and more so. And as that happens, schools are going to be forced to shut down due to lack of money. The government's not paying for the school. They're paying for bodies in the seats. If you don't have a body in the seat, you're not getting paid. Well, you don't get enough money, you can't keep the doors open. Um, watch and see, because this is going to be a big thing over the next few years. More and more people are going to start doing this, uh, which is you know good for the curricular providers, but bad for the public school systems. Um, and the big thing is, there's the sociologists are saying, well, you know, children need to be um, intermarried with kids their own age for socialization, all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, what, what they found out was these, these African-American families are saying, well, we're finding school groups. We're getting like-minded parents together, and we're taking the kids over to public conference rooms, libraries, what have you, people's homes, you name it, and they're getting the kids together and, and doing group schooling that way. Well, there you go. That answers the problem with socialization. But th the big thing about that is it's still dividing the country even more because as these groups do their own thing, you're going to have people upset about it. You're going to say, oh, you know, you can't do that. And the group's saying, yeah, we can. And yeah, yeah, you wait.
You wait. It's going to be a thing coming, okay? More and more uh, homeschooling and more and more diversity. People yelling at each other saying, yes, you can. No, you can't. Um, you know, hopefully it won't come to blows. Maybe the government will figure something out. But given the current situation in the United States, I'd say it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Um Americans right now, as far as the federal government is concerned, they're more concerned about their political um, resumes than they are taking care of the people. They they get elected to represent their districts, but once they get elected and they get sworn in, that's it. They, they leave their districts behind, and th- their next step is um, fundraisers and getting in the limelight and get, you know, fundraiser, corporate fundraisers. They don't really care about the little person. They don't care about anybody sitting at home giving them a $5 donation when they see something on their local news. They could care less about them $5 donations. No, they want them corporate dollars. Corporate dollars is what gets them reelected, at least in their mind anyway. So they're going to do everything they can to take care of the corporations that are funding their campaigns. Once they get elected, of course, it's tit for tat. Once they're in office and they're working in Washington, it's all about taking care of their corporate donors. Give them what they want. Constituents be damned. Okay? I mean, that's just how it is. Um, Our government, you know, Tom Hartman mentioned something here earlier this week and late last week about, um, you know, Supreme Court allowing legal bribery from corporate entities here about two or three decades ago. Um, and ever since then, they've been running wild. And Supreme Court is allowing more of that kind of stuff. So it's a free-for-all, truthfully. Washington, D.C. is pretty much a free-for-all when it comes to donations. And everybody's in, you know, everybody's got their hand in a pot, and they're trying to grab as much of that as they can. And as I said, governing the country is the last thing on their mind. They don't care, Okay. They'll raise hate and discontent saying, you know, well, I want this for my district. I want that. I want that. But by and large, when they say that, that only applies to whatever corporate entity is in their district and is giving them a big donation. Okay. You know, um, Joe Smith on the farm. Yeah, we don't care about you. Okay. Sorry. But if you're a corporate farm, well, that's a whole nother story. Okay. But independent farmers or, you know, uh, senior citizens, sitting in their living room in a small in a small house living on social security wanting to give a five dollar donation yeah well, no we don't care about you sorry um have a nice day but yeah gop we're going to take your social security medicare away from you because we want to save the government money <laughs> yeah that'll get you your five dollar donation you know um again that's interesting that'll be interesting okay um i'm going to see so I'm just about up here, uh, almost an hour today, um, and I kind of ran it a little bit because some of this stuff upsets me. Um, I hate to see the way this country's going. Um, I don't see it changing anytime soon, and um, it's kind of one of those things I watch and see. I'll continue to pick out these little articles around the world, um, and I'll try to blend them into what's going on with the bigger picture. Um I hope to think that I'm going to get better at this. You know, as I said, I have no professional uh, education as a broadcaster. I've never been to journalism school. I've never been to broadcasting school, none of that kind of stuff. This is all 
flying by the cuff here. Um, and I'm hoping that you guys will appreciate this. Um, you know, I um, I kind of want to make this a success as far as it goes just because I feel it's important. There's so much stuff out there that you guys never see unless you are an avid internet reader. Now, a lot of people are. A lot of people are like me. They hit the news feeds um, you know, daily and you know, they're very well educated. And you know, I'm saying that because I'm well educated, don't get me wrong, but I'm educated in all the other things. I'm, I'm very well educated in all the blue collar stuff. I've been to so many trade schools that ain't even funny. Never been to college. I do not have a college degree. But that's because I was so busy running all over the world as a soldier, I didn't have time to go to college. I was, you know, carrying a rifle in the, in the desert, you know, a good portion of my career. So the big thing about that is because of my, you know, blue collar background, if you will, uh, I tend to kind of say it like it is. And as I said, I'm, I'm all about pointing things out to the little people. The folks who normally wouldn't see stuff like this simply because, you know, they don't, you know, they really don't pay much attention to, you know, the news channels on their iPhones. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying that, I'm not, but there's there's a, there's some folks out there like that. And that's that's the ones that I appreciate the most. Um, so anyway, it's, it's almost an hour. I want to let you go. Um, I appreciate you tuning in if you do. Um, and then next week I'll pick up some more stuff for you. Um, hopefully I'll get some a little bit different, but truthfully, we all know majority of these stories are almost all the same things, shortage of water, um, politics, and you know, this thing about education, hopefully I can find some different things for you next week. All right. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening. Bye.